College football rankings just dropped. Let's touch on those. Then we'll do the weekend watch guide for week 10 of the college football season. Then we'll tackle the top watches of the week. So Tennessee is number two in the AP poll. They are number one in the college football rankings. It goes Tennessee number one, Georgia number two, geez, Tennessee number one, Ohio State number two, Georgia three, Clemson four. Michigan's five just out. Alabama is six at seven and one, the first one lost team. They're in the sixth spot there. Then we have TCU at number seven, Oregon at number eight and seven and one overall. USC at number nine and seven one over it all. Uh, LSU is at the tenth spot. They're six and two for some ungodly reason, the highest two loss team. Then we have number eleven Old Miss, twelve UCLA, thirteen Kansas State, the next highest two loss team, fourteen Utah, fifteen Penn State, sixteen Illinois, seventeen North Carolina, eighteen Oklahoma State, nineteen Tulane. They are 7-1. They're the highest-ranked non-Power 5 team, followed by Syracuse, Wake Forest, NC State, Oregon State. Texas at 5-3 is number 24. They should not be in the rankings at all. Again, they've had a bye week this, this past week, and they've been heavily favored by all these metrics, supposedly, that they're a really great football team, and they don't have any good wins on the schedule, and they have losses to all the quality opponents they've played. Number 25 is UCF. Also in the American Conference, like Tulane, they're 6-2, and two, so those two are currently the highest-ranked non-Power 5 teams. Now, we always see the AP poll kind of fall in line with this kind of thinking after the first playoff ranking is released. They have Georgia 1, Tennessee 2, Ohio State 3, so a switcheroo there. A flip-flop of Michigan at Clemson. They have Michigan at the 4 spot. They have Alabama 6, TCU 7, Oregon 8, USC 9. Those are all the same, and then a few changes down from there. They have LSU way down at number 15, which is about where they should be. They have a two-loss Utah as the highest-ranked two-loss team in the AP poll right now, and that sounds about right, uh, despite the number of coin flip games they've played. The loss to Florida on the road in the opener, the win against USC, which required a two-point conversion, and uh, the like of that. So Tennessee... Again, five wins at this point over teams that were at least ranked at one point. That's quality competition. I think uh, there was a stat that that's more wins over ranked opponents than all of the ACC combined. And without double-checking, that might actually be true. Clemson beat a, a ranked Wake Forest team, a ranked NC State team, and a ranked Syracuse team at the time that they played all of them. They're all still in the rankings right now. Syracuse fell out, I believe. Yeah, no, Syracuse fell out of the, is at the bottom 20s there. So all three of those are still in there. And then Syracuse beat NC State. So there's four of the games there. And North Carolina hasn't beat a ranked team. Duke hasn't beat a ranked team. So that may very well be true. The Tennessee, regardless of whether the teams are still ranked right now, five teams they beat were ranked at the time they played them. And that may very well be more teams than the entire ACC combined. That may very well be a true fact. Uh, the rest of these, again, we have 
four weeks left, three weeks left, plus the conference championship games that will help weed these teams out. I don't expect any two lost teams to make it in. And a number of these teams do have to play each other. Michigan, Ohio State, Georgia, Tennessee. It would be nice and neat and tidy if we did have one SEC winner, one Big Ten winner, Clemson and TC winning out a nice neat package of four undefeated teams to make the playoffs. Of course, that would be just perfect there. But of course, that will not happen. The overall schedules for Ohio State, Georgia, Clemson, and Michigan are all debatable at this point as far as strength of schedule. Of course, ESPN has a metric and there are other sites that have metrics as well. But a lot of those are based on just records of the opponents that they're playing. And Michigan, for example, beat UConn, not a very good football team, but they're sitting at four and five right now. So Michigan's Michigan strength of schedule is 79th in the country, according to ESPN's metric. And that's weighed heavily that UConn isn't a very good football team, which they are not. But they're also four and five, which isn't a complete throwout. It's it's not a great schedule, but it's also better than, yes, still better than some of the teams that these other squads have been playing. Yet Penn State's the only team uh, in Maryland, are the only two making a bowl game at all, and Penn State's the only real good team that they've beaten. Clemson's won at Wake Forest, beat NC State with a with a quarterback. Syracuse, Florida State, so that's actually a better schedule than Michigan. Arguably, of course, everything's arguable at this point. Georgia, of course, uh, struggled against Missouri and Kent State. I wouldn't say struggled against Kent State, gave up points to Kent State. Their best win at South Carolina, of course, the Oregon win, but after that, at South Carolina, at Missouri, the Florida win last week, Florida might not make a bowl game, and Oregon's looking dramatically different now. Ohio State, um, we're looking at that Penn State win and maybe Wisconsin right now, Notre Dame, so those aren't particularly great. Alabama, despite their loss, has wins over Texas, which is obviously thought very highly of. Arkansas and Mississippi State. TCU has one of the best slates of anyone so far. Wins over Oklahoma State, Kansas State. Oklahoma is starting to look better in general. Kansas is starting to look uh, decent, hopefully, if they get their quarterback. Now, that could be a real booster to the um, resume as well. They do play Texas in a few weeks to hopefully boost, boost the resume too. Now, Oregon had that big win over UCLA and the loss to Georgia. The BYU win, Washington State wins, aren't looking so big anymore. So when you say, who has this team beaten? Obviously, looking at any of these teams at the top, it can be argued that um, the strength of schedule is not, not great for a lot of these teams. So you really kind of have to put it into some perspective. USC at this point. Uh, Rice. Fresno State with an injured quarterback, Arizona State who fired their coach, Arizona who's coming off a one-win season, Oregon State, that's a solid win on the road, I guess, Stanford who, you know, David Shaw probably won't be fired, but it's on the hot seat a little bit there. You know, which of these wins is great for USC? Of course, they lost their their one loss to Utah there on the road was on a two-point conversion at the end of the game. And the other thing to consider is each of these teams arguably has maybe one or two resume builders, resume builders left on the schedule. Ohio State has the Michigan game. 
Other than that, they have Northwestern, Indiana, Maryland. Georgia has the Tennessee game coming up. Then they have Mississippi State on the road, Georgia Tech, and Kentucky on the road. And quite frankly, if those teams keep accumulating losses, those aren't going to be wins that look as great either. Then we have Clemson, and they may not have any ranked wins by the time we get to the end of the year. This is prior to conference championship games. But at Notre Dame, home against Louisville, home against Miami, home against South Carolina, it's possible that one, two, three, all four teams miss bowl games. That's still not out of the question. Michigan's remaining schedule, of course, Ohio State. They do have Illinois. There's two good games in there. Rutgers and Nebraska are the other two. Alabama has LSU, this highly touted LSU team, and Old Miss. They play Austin Pay and Auburn, who just fired their coach on the schedule otherwise. LSU, by the way, their schedule so far, not been so great. They lost to Florida State and Tennessee. They beat Old Miss last week. I guess that's the big, big win that uh, the committee's looking at to put them 10th on the slate here. I'm not sure why they're that high up. TCU, they have games against Texas, a Baylor team just sitting above 500, an Iowa State team sitting just below 500, and Texas Tech, who's sitting in that same ballpark right around 500. Alabama, we just covered. Oregon, Colorado, Washington, two games left. Utah and Oregon State, which I assume they'd be uh, resume boosters. USC has Cal, Colorado, Notre Dame, and UCLA left. I'm not sure how much of a boost Notre Dame would be on the schedule at the end of the year, but UCLA, obviously a big one. So as you can see, a lot of these, and let's touch on Old Miss right here. Of course, only one loss. They have Alabama, Arkansas, and Mississippi State left. And UCLA, Arizona State, Arizona, Cal. Those are not good football teams. If the committee is doing what they're supposed to do, those aren't really going to boost you up on the rankings. If someone else loses, you'll take their spot. But that's not really going to fly up the rankings. They, of course, have USC. So in having these arguments about which team should be where, you really have to realize, and I first think about if a team is good or not, I first consider whether a team is good or not if they can make a bowl game. Can they hit 500? Then I think, well, are they hitting 500 because they play in Conference USA or because they play in the Big Ten? The quality of opponents, who have they beaten to get there? So that's kind of the first spot I look. And then how are how many ranked teams? Then were they ranked at one point if they aren't ranked now? So a lot of these squads, by the end of the year, are really not going to have that many ranked wins on here and not going to have that many wins over other teams in the playoff rankings. And again, it's all arbitrary because you're really going to only have six choices towards the end of the year anyways that really makes sense. And a lot of it's going to sort itself out in the last few weeks. Now, a few things that are worth noting, teams that could still make it, of course, Illinois 7-1 at the 16th spot. If they were to win out, win the Big Ten Championship over either Ohio State or Michigan, they'd be in it. North Carolina 7-1 if they could win out the schedule, which is pretty bad. And then they upset Clemson in the ACC championship game. They would be in it as well. They have road games against Virginia and Wake Forest left. They're home against Georgia Tech and home against NC State. 
Again, Wake Forest, they shouldn't have as bad of a game as they did last weekend, but they are not, you know, a national championship contender by any means. And Drake May from North Carolina could certainly go toe-to-toe with the Demon Deacons and Sam Hartman there. NC State trying to break in a new quarterback there. They're having troubles on offense, but that's about it. It's the top nine, Tennessee, Ohio State, Georgia, Clemson, Michigan, Alabama, TCU, Oregon, USC. Then Old Miss is technically still in the mix. UCLA, then you have Illinois and North Carolina. And that's it. That's it, unless something dramatic happens where you end up with three teams with undefeated records or one losses, and you have to bring two lost teams into the equation, as far as I can see. Now, towards the bottom, Texas shouldn't be in there. They're 5-3. and three. Syracuse, Wake Forest, NC State, all three of those teams being from the AAC and kind of that second tier after Clemson playing all the other bad teams from the ACC could all be looked at. Central Florida's probably fine. They might actually be a candidate to be moved up. And teams like, we're not too far off from three-loss team territory, but teams like Maryland, Washington, Florida State, who's got three losses, might be some of the teams that should be bumped up for now. That's what I would say, without uh, doing a full new top 25 poll. But just some initial thoughts on the playoff rankings. Of course, the number one AP top 25 team, Georgia, and number one playoff team in Tennessee will be playing this weekend as a must-watch football game, and we'll have that coming up here. All right, rolling into the Saturday slate for November 5th, and it's a little bit lighter day, but we have a few, just a few standout football games that are going to be high-priority watches for your schedule this week. Starting at 11.30, Air Force is 5-3. and three. They'll be playing Army at 3-4 and four on CBS, so this will be a nice one to have on your radar as you're watching either College Game Day or the Fox Noon Kickoff Show before the full slate of noon games kicks off. Army actually averages 404 yards and 22 points, slightly better than the Air Force offensively, but they allow almost twice as many points and 110 more yards defensively. Andre Carter, the defensive end for Army, is potentially a first-round draft pick. He's graded out as one of the better top edge guys last season, and teams are having to overhaul their offensive game plans this year to block him out. Just to note, if you're watching a part of that game before heading to the noon kickoffs, so keep an eye on Mr. Carter. Now, the noon slate itself, the main game to keep an eye on here, the top watch, and there's only one of them I have marked down here, that's number seven, TCU at 8-0, hosting Texas Tech at 4-4 four and four on Fox. This is the best game on this light slate. TCU's defense has obviously been lacking, and that's probably why they checked in so low in the playoff rankings. Texas Tech has lost three of four games, including a 45-17 beatdown at the hands of Baylor last week. Now, Biren Moten, the freshman quarterback for the Red Raiders, started and was 11-34 for 34 with three picks and a horrible performance at best. That's how I describe it, at best. Tyler Shaw, the former Oregon transfer, who was originally the starter to begin the year, he went down the opener. Now, he came back last week for a couple throws, 
as did Donovan Smith, who was piloting the offense for a good chunk of the season. And between the freshman here and Saul, who went down in the first first half of the first game. And he has had turnover problems as well. At times, the quarterback position has looked interchangeable, but uh, all these guys are turnover prone. So any of the three could play Saturday. We don't really know at this particular point. If they can keep the turnovers down, the Red Raiders can certainly run with the uh, TCU Horned Frogs. They run close to 100 plays per game. They can exchange TCU's 70th in pace. They run 24 fewer plays per game. TCU can certainly get that defense reeling. That's certainly a possibility. The defense for the Red Raiders isn't too bad. They can actually limit the run. They've held opponents under four yards per carry the last three games out, despite losing a bunch of those games. They can actually get some pressure on opposing quarterbacks as well, thanks to Tyree Wilson on the edge, who's been moving up draft boards. Blake Shapin for Baylor, who's averaging seven yards per throw last week, but the previous three opponents were far, far less than that, so quarterbacks really trying to dump the ball off. They're not giving up a lot of yards through the air either. Now, TCU is favored by nine and a half points against this team who doesn't know who they're starting at quarterback, and I think it's actually dropped to it's dropped to eight and a half now. Nine and a half when I started my notes a couple days ago. So it's just telling you if this was a neutral site game, it'd be closer to or less than a touchdown probably at this point. And that's because of Texas Tech's defense and the Horned Frogs struggling on that end. So some of the numbers Texas Tech is putting up offensively are pretty wild. They were averaging 10 yards per play through the first half of the West Virginia game last week and against Oklahoma for, I think, the entire game. And that wild blowout earlier in the season, they've had long stretches of explosive plays and just wild, out-of-whack statistics that have, you know, just huge chunks of plays at certain stretches of games. So Texas Tech can certainly keep things interesting. They run a lot of plays. They make a lot of of, of big throws, depending on who the quarterback is, independent of the quarterback, I should say and they can move the ball on that Horned Frogs defense. It's whether or not they can keep the turnovers down. But this should be a fun one. TCU hosting Texas Tech, the Fox big noon kickoff game, I believe it is. The other noon games here, a little light now. On ABC, they'll have Northwestern at 1-7, hosting number 2 Ohio State at 8-0. This is just going to be gross. We've seen a few times this year where teams like Utah have been quietly benching top players in matches where they have not been needed to win, especially if they're a little banged up. Like we saw last week with quarterback Cam Rising, the top receiver and running back for that that group as well. And it's, it's really happened a few times under the radar for a few teams this year. And I wouldn't be surprised, you know, Jackson Smith, the Jigba, I wouldn't be surprised if he was out in this game again for Ohio State. Uh, the receiver has been injured for a good chunk of the season if he missed another one here. And if other players suddenly didn't appear to play at all. And then, of course, as Ohio State gets a handle on things, I think the line is right around 40 points for this. They'll, of course, start to bench guys anyway. So that's the gross game on ABC. Uh, also at noon here, Virginia's 3-5. and five. They're hosting number 17, North Carolina, at 7-1 and one on the ACC Network. Now, UNC can still make the playoffs. Drake May is a superstar. He had five touchdowns last week, scored 21 straight points in the fourth quarter to punch out Pittsburgh. 
If they win four more games, they'll have a shot at Clemson for a playoff spot. They can't trip up here. Virginia's been a miserable football team. I don't expect them to. Drake may should really be in the Heisman conversation. He should be the front runner at this point, but uh, just really can't trip up here against Virginia. Keep an eye on that. Always fun to watch him throw the football. Tulane is ranked 19th. They're 7-1. and one. They're on the road at Tulsa, who's 3-5 and five on ESPNU. Now, the Golden Hurricanes have lost 4 or 5, but they lost to Old Miss by 7, Cincinnati by 10, SMU by 9 in that stretch. They can throw the football a bit, but they can't run, which is unfortunately where you can exploit Tulane's defense. And their pass defense that's ranked right around where Tulane is, just inside the top 10, but they have one of the worst run defenses in the country as well, which was inflated by a horrible Navy loss a few weeks back where they gave up over 400 yards on the ground. Now, Spears for the Green Wave will be able to take advantage of Tulsa, and I think Daenerik Pierce will be able to do the same thing to Tulsa. He's averaging six yards per carry, so I think it'll just be a, just a ground game back and forth, but I think Tulane will ultimately be able to lock that down. The spread is 7.5 here with Tulane going on the road. Um, and they can certainly cover, but it, it could be an interesting watch here to see if they're able to kind of stick it out and continue to move up the rankings as the top non-Power 5 school right now. Also in the noon slate, um, just not a lot of games that I'd consider yeah, even mid-tier games. But anyways, uh, so Missouri is 4-4. Four and four. They're hosting Kentucky. They're 5-3. and three. This is the SEC Network noon game. Wildcats pulled an upset per se last week by beating South Carolina 23 to 10 on the road, but this team has been riding the struggle bus, barely beating Vanderbilt two weeks ago, 17 to 14. They're only a one point favorite on the road here against Missouri. That also wasn't very good. I think their offensive line struggling all year has just caused a surplus of problems for them, and they could get a shocking result here on the road against uh, Missouri. Florida is 4-4. Four and four. They're traveling to College Station to play Texas A&M, who's 3-5. and five. This game will be on ESPN if you want to watch a couple teams that might not make bowl games here in the SEC. Florida's defense is 117th in the country right now, and Richardson isn't a big offensive threat, all things considered. Struggling to throw the ball can be locked up uh, as far as his mobility there. Despite the deserved flack that Jimbo Fisher is getting, this is at home in College Station. The freshman quarterback, Connor Wingman, looked pretty good last week. They're moving a little bit more up-tempo. It's one of the slower-paced uh, teams in the country, Jimbo Fisher. Not about moving the football real quickly. And uh, they looked good in a loss to Old Miss last week, relatively speaking. So uh, this could be a tough one for the Florida Gators there. Also at noon, a few gross Big Ten games. Nebraska's 3-5. They're hosting Minnesota, who's 5-3 on ESPN2. We may not have any quarterbacks in this game. Casey Thompson's out for sure. Nebraska might run a two-quarterback system there with him you know, out due to an injury from last week. Tanner Morgan is questionable. If that's the case, this is going to be just about an unwatchable football game. Mo Ibrahim is still an excellent back for the Gophers, but this is just going to be a rough goal all the way around. Also at noon, FS1 will be hosting... Uh, Purdue at five and three will be hosting the Iowa Hawkeyes at four and four, a whopping four and four at this point. If Purdue wins this game, they can stay in the Big Ten West race behind Illinois. Otherwise, the lead might continue to grow for the Orange there. Now, Iowa put up 33 points, beating Northwestern last week. 
more than their previous three games combined. There still isn't much to see there from the Hawkeyes. Maybe freshman running back Caleb Johnson is a good contributor moving forward. Not real sure. He still hasn't been able to... There's just not much going on here this season. He's splitting carries. The box is getting stacked, and this is just not a threatening offense at all. Uh, Purdue just isn't very good. Aiden O'Connell had three picks last week in a Wisconsin loss. Charlie Jones is still in a stellar wide receiver there that isn't talked about much in the national radar, but that's because this Purdue team is so so freaking average. This team beat Nebraska by six, Maryland by two, Minnesota by 10, Florida Atlantic by two. Nothing about this team screams, I can't be beat by about 40 other teams in the country on any given Saturday. But that game will be on your television, should you choose to watch it. And finally, Wisconsin at 4-4 four and four will be hosting Maryland at 6-2 and two on the Big Ten Network. Since Maryland played Michigan close, the games on the slate have been a two-point Purdue loss. They beat Michigan State by 14, Indiana by 5, and Northwestern by 7. Now, none of that's impressive, but Tulia Tegavaloa has missed some time due to an ACL re-injury. Now, he should be back for this game, but so they've just been hanging on by thread without him. Wisconsin still isn't playing well, but they're kind of doing okay. Graham Mertz has more touchdowns than picks, so that's a positive thing. 17 touchdowns, 6 interceptions. Five of his touchdowns came against Northwestern, though. That was a uh, They had a 35-24 win against Purdue last week, which was big because they've been no-shows against any decent opponents this, this year otherwise. Uh, if Maryland wins, with or without Tulia, this would put Maryland back in the national spotlight at least with at Penn State, at Ohio State, in a home game against Rutgers to go. This could set up a juicy game against Penn State next week, an interesting trap game for Ohio State two weeks from now, just before the Michigan finale, and a winnable last home game that could push them towards eight, nine wins at that point. So interesting projecting forward, but as a trio of Big Ten games in the noon slot, these are all pretty, pretty gross. The last two games I have in the noon slot that probably aren't are barely worth mentioning. Western Kentucky's five and four. They'll be traveling to Charlotte, who's two and seven on the CBS Sports Network against Charlotte. Has been horrible, horrible football team, but they won a game since they fired their coach. So that's something they crushed Rice on the road, fifty-six to twenty-seven. Rice has looked decent this year, hovering right around five hundred. As I'm wrapping up this recording, they just wrapped up a, a loss to UTEP or a win against UTEP, excuse me. So they just moved above five hundred. So that's something, I suppose. And Western Kentucky, not as good as they've been the past couple of seasons. They took a bad loss, 40-13 to to North Texas last week. But Austin Reed and that offense can still be fun to watch, even if they're not going to win the Conference USA. So that's an, maybe an interesting matchup there. Georgia Tech is 3-5. and five. They're playing Virginia Tech at 2-6 and six on ESPN3. Georgia Tech's now lost two straight after winning a few in a row and firing their coach. Virginia Tech's lost six straight. This is probably going to make you want to gouge your eyes out. I just think uh, for Georgia Tech trying out some new quarterbacks there. Maybe we see something moving forward into next year in one of those young guys. So the afternoon slate still isn't stellar either, but it's going to feature our must-watch game of the week, and it's going to help build us towards a pretty decent night slate, all things considered here. Uh, that this isn't a stellar week. So slowly building from the noon to afternoon to a decent evening slate here. 
Now, there are a slew of ESPN Plus games between teams that don't have any impact on their conference races, and some probably won't be in bowl games, but a few of the highlights. At 2 o'clock, Old Dominion's 3-5. and five. They're hosting Marshall at 4-4, four and four. again, an ESPN Plus game. Neither of these teams are going anywhere, but maybe a bowl game uh, where they could pull an upset. That could be interesting, right, to see in December. Now, Marshall's won at Notre Dame, at James Madison with Kalan LeBron, LeBron who is uh, 13 rushing touchdowns and 1,061 yards. He is great. He is awesome. He is everything to that team. And to see him continue his season, especially in a bowl game, with a decent matchup would be great. So it would be great to see Marshall pull a win here. But Old Dominion, they've beaten Virginia Tech, who might be worse than the Monarchs and one of the worst Power 5 teams at this point, but beat Virginia Tech nevertheless and beat Coastal Carolina on the road. So there's a couple feathers in their cap as well. So Marshall and Old Dominion on ESPN Plus there. Continuing on that ESPN Plus slate, Georgia State's 3-5. and five. They're playing Southern Miss at 5-3. and three. Now the Golden Eagles are trying to stay in the Sun Belt West race. They've won three straight with the 111th ranked offense and 51st ranked defense. Georgia State on the flip sides won 3-4. of four. With the 106th ranked defense and 56th ranked offense, they like to run the football. So just a little little uh, race there for Southern Miss to uh, stay in the, the Sun Belt race there. The last one is actually a Power 5 game. It's on the Big 12 Network and the ESPN Network at 3 o'clock. That's Oklahoma hosting Baylor. Both teams are 5-3. and three. I think it's under the radar. They are 27th and 29th in total offense. Baylor isn't out of the Big 12 race yet. They're 3-2 in conference play. They smashed Texas Tech last week behind freshman running back Richard Reese and his 148 yards and a touchdown. It's one of their best defensive games of the year, actually, I think, from what I saw. Oklahoma's healthier right now, like healthier. They have a quarterback, at least. They won an arms race on the offensive side of the football against Kansas a couple weeks back. They won a rock fight on the defensive side against Iowa State uh, just recently as well. Those are the past two games. So maybe they're rounding around on both sides of the football. So I just kind of a, a low-key game there on a, a light slate between Oklahoma and Baylor. Now let's run through some of the other Power 5 kind of light games on the slate here. Games that you'd expect to be blowouts or irrelevant, such as Stanford at 3-5, and five, hosting Washington State, who's 4-4, four and four, 3.30, Pac-12 Network is going to be squirreling this one away. This is really two teams who rely on their quarterbacks to get anything done. Stanford, it's Tanner McGee, who's climbing up, uh, not climbing up, kind of hanging out there in the middle of NFL draft boards as a middling first-round pick. And Cameron Ward, who is all the offense for Washington State, which still maintains a decent defensive numbers, but neither of these teams are going anywhere anytime fast but so this Pac-12 network will be squirreling those two guys away Stanford at three and five Washington State at four and four now 330 Colorado at one and seven will be hosting seven and one Oregon who's ranked eighth right now that's on ESPN that is disgusting ESPN can't be thrilled about that Bo Nix can pad his numbers for the uh, Heisman race there so that's something uh Penn State's number 15 they're ranked six and two. They're heading to Indiana's three and five. That's on ABC. Let's not forget these mighty Hoosiers beat Illinois, which is looking like a fantastic win about two months ago. So they can stick the, the feather in their hat for that one. But Penn State should roll there. Michigan State's three and five. This is also 330 Big Ten Network. 
They're down eight defensive players now from that Michigan Tunnel incident, and they're going to play Illinois at 7-1, ranked 16th, happily mowing their way through the Big Ten West, although this is a cross-divisional cross, uh, matchup here. But this is going to be a tough one for the Spartans to win. So after almost 20 minutes of talking, let's get to another watchable football game. 3.30 time slot, FS1. Kansas at 5-3 and three will be hosting Oklahoma State, who is 6-2 and two and ranked 18th. Jalen Daniels is back at practice for Kansas, which is huge news. It's still up in the air about whether or not he will return on Saturday, but it could immediately make this game more interesting. The line has moved a bit with what has happened here, so it, you know who knows where it's going to be at. It's all news-dependent, how watchable this game is. What we expect to see all depends on whether he can play or not. Now, he obviously doesn't play on the defensive side of the ball, which has been a big problem for the Jayhawks, but his ability to raise the ceiling on the offensive side to keep the defense on the sidelines to make a more effective offensive unit, offensive gains would be great, but obviously Kansas has still been able to score a lot of points and still hasn't been able to stop anyone with him out, but him on the field can still make a tremendous difference in what they're able to do there on the football field. Oklahoma State, on the other hand, can't possibly be the team, of course, that we saw putting up zero points against Kansas State last week. They've been banged up. Spencer Sanders has been banged up. So in the end, you really don't know what the hell is going to happen in this football game. Who's going to be hurt? Who's not? Who's going to play? Who's not? It might be a kickoff time decision again. And much like I just stated shortly ago about some players kind of being arrested. You don't want to see that, and I don't necessarily think that's that's going to happen here, but, you know, it was almost kind of stated by uh, Gundy last week, hinted at that he rested some players due to uh, injuries heading into Kansas State game last week. To it, it rested them in practice in order to prepare for the Kansas State game to keep everybody healthy, and then he was able to rest everyone in the second half because of how badly they were getting crushed. So, hey, <laughs> that's what's one way to do it, I guess. But I kind of wonder if uh, some of these guys are kind of up in the air, especially on the Kansas side of things. They're out of the running for the Big 12 Conference. Oklahoma State will be out of it with one more loss pretty damn close. So I kind of wonder if uh, Jalen Daniels, even if he's actually ready to play football, if he still might be held out for one more game just to make sure he can get fully integrated, which would suck. But uh, I still think that could be kind of a possibility here because they have still been efficient without him. And Oklahoma State has been pretty banged up recently. So they may still be able to win without him and they may still keep him off the field even if he's healthy. Also at 3.30, ESPN2 has Memphis at 4-4 four and four, hosting UCF, who's 6-2. and two. They're ranked 25th as well. Memphis isn't a great football team. They're not very good. Lost three straight, but they were by one point to Houston two at East Carolina, and 10 at Tulane. Now, the defense is dreadful. They're giving up 28-plus points and five of their eight games this season. They haven't had a, a rusher for 100 or more yards at, at all this season. So it's basically Seth Heiniger chucking the ball 40-plus times per game, and that also prevents them from getting blown out. They're always in the football game. Now, teams are running on them, but for far less than five yards per carry, they just tried to load up and and take the take the ball out of the quarterback's hands there and UCF will do the same thing not sure if John Rye Plumley, who was knocked out last week will be back in at quarterback or if Mikey Keene the freshman who finished the game will be back in but he was very effective 
However, this will be a road game for him, different environment, but this will be a very interesting non-Power 5 game. UCF in the hunt for the American Conference title and could possibly make a New Year's 6 game. They have to be the highest ranked non-Power 5 team. Tulane, also in the American Conference, currently ranked ahead of them. Of course, they would meet later on down the line for a, a, a title in that conference. So that would obviously get sorted out. Also in non-Power 5 football, UAB is 4-4. Four and four. They're hosting UTSA, University of Texas, San Antonio, who is 6-2. and two. I have a TBD on the network here, not yet decided at this time. UAB isn't quite the force they've been previously in Conference USA, but this is currently a pick 'em game. UTSA is undefeated in conference playing Frank Harris at quarterbacks, really the reason why, but they've been hanging on by just about a thread in a lot of these games. They beat North Texas by four, Western Kentucky by three, both of those home games, and both teams just behind them in the CUSA rankings. Now, UAB is going to use Dwayne McBride, who's averaging seven yards per carry and has 12 rushing touchdowns on the season to attack that roadrunner defense, which is not good. Trying to control the clock and stuff there. So home game for UAB. Again, a pick game it would be a big upset on UTSA there, who would still, let's see, they're a game up and they have tiebreakers over the other two. So they'd still be ahead in the Conference USA race there. But still, it'd be a big upset if UAB were to pull it and could be an exciting game. Frank Harris, a good quarterback there. Potential NFL player in the future? Possibly. So UTSA, UAB, watchable football game. Uh, Middle tier football game as far as my list is concerned here. Game worth flicking over or flipping to if the uh, top watches here kind of um, aren't as interesting. But I don't think that'll be the case. As we're getting to, of course, number one Tennessee at 8-0. At number three, Georgia at 8-0 on CBS. Georgia, of course, number one in the AP poll. So it's being billed as the two number ones playing each other. Number one in the playoff, Tennessee, and number one in the AP poll, Georgia. This is obviously the big talking point everywhere. If you're following sports, uh, social media, anything like that, it's going to be all Georgia, all Tennessee. You'll get some of the Alabama-LSU, the night game as well. But it's going to be a whole lot of, of this game the entire week up to this point and Saturday as well. But Georgia's lost its leader in sacks and QB pressures for the year in Nolan Smith. He was injured last week in, in their game against um, Florida. Yeah, Florida. I think it's Florida. <laughs> this many uh, this many games in. Yeah, I think it's Florida. So he's out for the season. That's a problem. They're 110th in sacks this season. The defense isn't the same as it was last year, losing 10 starters, I believe, from the defensive end and some depth as well. Again, a lot of success winning a national championship. Everyone that can go pro does. Everyone's gone. You turn over the roster, bring in a number of five stars. You think everything's going to be the same. It's just not quite. Just not quite. Just a different set of guys. Everyone's got to gel in again. And no one's faced this kind of, of competition like this. The top-ranked offense the Bulldogs have played so far outside of Oregon in week one, because Oregon's currently the third-ranked offense, but they obviously didn't have things figured out to start the season. New coach, new coordinators, new quarterback. I'm throwing that out. You, you have to. They just weren't on the same page coming into week one. If you want to factor that in, that's perfectly fine. But Oregon's clearly completely different than they were in week one. Outside of Oregon, it's Florida, who they played last week. Florida's just inside the top 50 of total offenses. They played Florida last week, and 
Skeeters at this point are arguably on a downslide from the first half of the season. Now the teams have more film on Anthony Richardson. You have to remember they still have a first, uh, not first year head coach, but a new year, new head coach in there and Richardson, Billy Richardson. And they've had uh, Florida put up more yards and the third third most points at 20 points after Missouri and Kansas State's 22 on Georgia than they had all season. So, yeah, that's that's something. But the question isn't whether or not Tennessee is going to put up more points or more yards than anyone else. It's whether or not Georgia is going to win the football game. That's just outright what it is. And they certainly can. You're going to have the human environment, the human element, right? If you're in Madden, in theory, Georgia has the higher prospects. They're a better, well-rounded team. Obviously, the roster, the skill position players... That seems to go to Hendon Hooker and the Tennessee Volunteers right now. And you have to remember, Hooker's 26 years old, I believe. He's been there a few years. He's experienced. He was a transfer quarterback, I believe, out of Virginia Tech years back at this point. So you have that human element as well. And I don't give a lot of analysis on this podcast, mostly because you can get that a thousand other places. So the approach here is just to give you how to line up your Saturday, how to watch your games, a little bit of breakdown on some of the top competitions and how to line up your schedule, basically. With some stakes involved and some fun stats and some top stories and storylines and that kind of thing. Because no one wants to listen to anyone just give picks either, especially when you don't know what the hell you're talking about. You don't have inside information. You don't have any affiliation with any teams. So I'm very happy to say, I don't actually know who the hell's going to win this football game. If you're looking at roster construction, if you're looking at who's been there before, if you're looking at coaching acumen. You're looking at Georgia, who clearly has the edge. And if you were doing a much more micro breakdown, position by position, Georgia at more areas is the, the better the better team. But when you look at small things, like they've lost their top sack leader, one out of that's one out of eleven players on the defense, right? But they may have to scheme another a number of different uh, pieces around him being lost in order to get pressure on Hooker back there. So it might actually completely change what the other 10 players plus his replacement are doing on the defensive side of the football field. That could actually change into a big scheme, despite the fact you're losing 8% of the people performing on your defensive side. However, if, on the other hand, the defensive staff feels that whoever's backing him up there, I can't remember the kid's name at the end or if they're even going to, switch that whoever's backing him up around a bit there if they feel that that person is just going to kind of plug in and kind of do their best and they're going to leave everyone else as is then maybe they just kind of run and and do the best they can they may not get a lot of pressure on hooker they may simply force on trying to lock down the receivers down the field and tennessee does still run the football a lot that's still going to be a problem as well the defensive line is going to have to get push and again even from that perspective losing a linebacker they're still not getting a lot of push from the defensive front four. Are you going to plan up different blitzes? So losing one key player could change a lot of things as well. What they're doing on offense, Stenson Bennett, as you remember, stuttered as a dark horse uh, Heisman candidate, but has since not put up great numbers in the box score and hasn't exactly struggled, but doesn't exactly have lightning fast receivers or a plethora of options out there. They're using their tight ends a lot. They have great tight ends. 
So you may see a little bit more just going to what they the bread and butter, what's been working for them in that aspect, especially since a lot of teams have been able to get what they want against Tennessee's defense. Though Tennessee, a little bit inconsistent, has at times been able to generate quarterback pressure as well and been doing okay despite how bad the defense was last season. It's been a little bit hit or miss this year, but they've been improving a little bit. So we'll st- it's going to be a chess mass match the whole game. You may see plays that work at one one quarter or on one drive that may not the next. It's It could be one team going up early and falling behind a little bit late, and no one can fall too far behind in this game. But I'm just happy to say I don't have any big lean or breakdown to who the hell is going to win this football game. It's just going to be the top watch for this upcoming Saturday. So to round out the afternoon, at 4 o'clock, Arkansas at 5-3 is hosting Liberty, who is 7-1. This is on the SEC Network. The Flames haven't beat anyone this season, and Arkansas has been banged up. If the Flames grab a big win on the road here, they'll probably shoot up into the top 25. They have some illness in the quarterback room, I believe. I'm not sure if they're down to the third or fourth stringer at this point, but I believe it's questionable who's going to be throwing the football on Saturday. The Razorbacks have rebounded from a three-game skid to beat BYU and Auburn on the road. Two teams struggling right now. KJ Jefferson is up to 21 total touchdowns and only one pick on the year. They're high up in rushing yards per game, top five, I believe. They're good good on third down, 50% conversion rate. They're high up there in sacks uh, nationally, and they are favored by 14 and a half at home, but it could be a game worth keeping an eye on. Also at 4 o'clock, Navy is 3 and 5. They're at Cincinnati with 6 and 2. That's on ESPNU. The Bearcats took a tough loss to Central Florida last week. And they're 18 favorite, uh, 18 point favorites against Navy, hoping to rebound there to move to seven and two, and at least in the hunt for the American Conference title. And there's a couple ESPN Plus games in the back end that are interesting too. South Alabama six and two, they're playing at Georgia Southern, who's five and three. Florida International's four and four, they're playing at North Texas, who's five and four. And Troy at five o'clock is six and two, they're playing at Louisiana, who's four and four as well. All games. On ESPN Plus, Troy is currently four and one in the Sun Belt West and looking pretty good. South Alabama's looked good at times this year. They're three and one in that same division. Southern Miss is three and one as well. All three are on the road. Southern Miss is at home, and they could win early in the afternoon. So, could be interesting to see if there's any upsets there and if those teams kind of sort themselves out. Troy could be close to breaking in the rankings. They might be in the back end of one of these. Pretty darn close here. So. Troy is getting a little respect from uh, the AP voters, so decent for that team. And if they win another one on the road, maybe they start to creep in the back end of that top 25. The evening slate has two bigger must-watch games on it. Not must-watch games, two high-level games as far as I'm concerned. Both at 7 o'clock, the ESPN is LSU at 6-2, and two, ranked 10th, hosting Alabama, who's 7-1, ranked 6th. Now, LSU has at least two receivers that you take over anyone on Alabama, and uh, they're helping out Jaden Daniel there on the offensive side of things. The running back room has not been very great for that team, and they really struggled at the beginning of the year, but they're kind of coming along a bit on the offensive side there at LSU, and that's going to be the real threat to Alabama. Uh, besides Butte, they have Neighbors and Jenkins, who are both doing an excellent job there. Both have 20-plus uh, receptions, Thomas Jr. as well. So just a great group of receivers from the throw to. And, of course, Daniels is leading the team. He has almost twice as many rushing attempts as the uh, 
top leading uh, running back in that particular category. He has nine touchdowns on the ground, only 10 passing, but he's completing about 70% of his passes. They were on a bye week last week in order to prepare to host the Crimson Tide, who were also on a bye week. But the last time that these two teams were out, Alabama, of course, lost to Tennessee in that epic battle. And then they thumped uh, Mississippi State the next week, 30-6, to kind of turned around and, and won that game there. And LSU has racked up two in a row since their Tennessee loss, beating Florida by 10 on the road there in a shootout and beating Old Miss by 25 as well. So they're looking quite sharp uh, coming into the back half of the season. Now this is standing at about a two-touchdown, just under a two-touchdown game right now. And I think Alabama could pull away in this particular game. That's just what the Tide do. But again, you kind of have the human element of, of this in here. Are they going to go into Tiger Stadium? Night game, that's a problem. Road game, that's a problem. Is is Jaden Daniels, you know, there's this whole narrative of uh, Nick Saban struggles against mobile quarterbacks. Well, his coordinators change every single year, just about. So, well, he'd be able to kind of limit what Jaden Daniels, Daniels is able to do and the, the speed of the receivers there. And then on the flip side, be able to, to score on this defense. And I think they absolutely will. I don't think that they'll have too much trouble there other than their own self-inflicted wounds that they've had recently, troubles on the offensive line, troubles um, with penalties. So coming out of a bye week for them as well is going to be greatly beneficial. But still, the names on the helmets, the pageantry, this is still going to be a top watch on the evening slate, but I, an upset certainly possible, but it's also possible that Alabama gets a hold on things and then puts it away as well. So thankfully, our other game on the slate here is the old Texas Longhorns. The old, the old, all the metrics say that Texas could be, uh, should be a top 10 team. Well, they're not. They're a three loss team. They are ranked 24th as the highest ranked team in the playoff poll right now, but they're on the road at Kansas State, who is six and two and ranked 13th. This is on FS1, again, also at 7 o'clock, opposite the Alabama-LSU game. So you'll have to be channel flipping if you're an unfortunate one TV viewer for this kind of event. However, Kansas State again. Is Adrian Martinez going to be in the game? Does that matter? Will Howard is clearly the better passer. He didn't have to run the ball at all last week in thumping Oklahoma State. I don't know that he had more than a handful of touches and anything on the ground. He just, it was nothing. He threw the ball, they handed it off to Deuce Vaughn, and that was all that Kansas State needed in a game that Oklahoma State kind of unintentionally punted on. So, will Texas be able to recover coming out of a bye week? Recover in the sense that they'll be able to kind of ground Quinn Ewers, making smarter throws, smarter plays. That has been a problem for him. Kid's still a kid. And will he be able to go on a tough road trip here? A team, always this narrative that a team coming off a big win will be so so hard to get down off that high, welcoming in another big team the next week or going on the road the next week. Well, they're at home again here. Texas is coming off a bye, but Kansas State's going to have all the momentum. It doesn't matter who's at quarterback, though. Will Howard may be better than Adrian Martinez. No surprise, the guy already on the roster may be better than the transfer in. They've been defined some odds a bit here. But a new quarterback that seems to be able to to operate pretty effectively and open things up as far as where plays can be made down the field, opening up the passing game, sure makes things more difficult on a Texas defense that really has not been a stellar unit. I don't know what advanced metrics have put them in the cross arrow of the national media to say that this team is 
really so great and should be a much better team, but there's just no real statistical categories to indicate that. They do have a top 30 overall defense. They do have a top 35 overall offense. They have skill positions, uh, players at various positions, but they're not producing on the field right now. They haven't beat a team that's over 500. Their favorites on the road here again, as they were last week, two weeks ago, and they could lose again. So this should be a, a great matchup to see again. Where's Texas at? Where's Quinn Ewers at coming out of a bye? And can Kansas State continue a great run? They're still in the hunt for a Big 12 Conference Championship. I, I take that back. Texas has beat UTSA and Oklahoma, both teams over 500 now. So I take that back. But this team has more skill than they're currently displaying. They're certainly a top 30 team, but I'm tired of this narrative that all statistical metrics point that they're a top 10 team. And uh, tucked in at number 24 is the top 10 and uh, three-loss team ahead of some two-loss teams, and that's just not showing on the field. So I'd love for them to be more productive and show that. But this will be a good game in the late-night slot, the only slot that I currently have two top-watch games. But continuing on that schedule, also at 7 o'clock, we got a trio here. Boise State at 6-2 and two is hosting BYU at 4-5 and five on FS2. Now the Broncos still undefeated in conference play in the Mountain West. This will not impact their record if they were to get upset by floundering BYU at this particular point. They've got a new quarterback there at uh, Boise State, and they're continuing to do a good job and kind of improving there step by step. But, man, Mountain West is looking pretty lousy. They don't have any wins over teams in the upper level of that particular conference yet, so they have some challenges still ahead here. But this will be a game to kind of see if they can continue to build on what they've they're doing since they fired their offensive coordinator and lost their starting quarterback to start the season into the transfer portal, Boise State and BYU. Now, San Diego State's 4-4. Four and four. They're hosting UNLV, who's 4-4 four and four on CBS Sports Network. A couple of middling Mountain West teams at this particular point. But UNLV's doing quite well for UNLV, and San Diego State struggled a bit after making it to the Mountain West Championship game last year. But San Diego State scored a few points last week in their game against Boise State. Uh, Fresno State, sorry about that. Fresno had to put uh, two touchdowns on the board in 13 seconds to beat San Diego State, 32-28, to to pull away that one. So San Diego State nearly had a win last week, couldn't quite pull it out. But they are hosting a good uh, UNLV Rebels team as far as non-par-5 teams go. Decent squad there. Also at the uh, 7 o'clock slot there, Another kind of lower-level lower game is SMU at 4-4, four four, hosting Houston at 5-3 on the NFL Network, your fun little NFL Network evening game there. A couple teams that have been struggling but aren't out of it in the American yet. Cincinnati barely beat uh, SMU. They had to hang on to beat that squad there, and they can still be disruptive. They have to play at Tulane a few weeks down the line. They do get Memphis as well to end the season. Houston still has to play... Uh, Eastern Carolina as well, although they did lose to Tulane, so they're out of that. But they only have one loss in conference play. So these teams can still be disruptive, and Houston can still make the American Conference games. It's still very feisty, a conference race tight there, and these two teams can still play a whole lot of offense as they uh, have struggled, certainly on the defensive end, and can still be involved in the uh, the race here. So certainly against each other, the winner will come out far ahead, the loser not so great, but interesting matchup when they do go head-to-head on a lower-level scale there. 
At 7.30, Utah is 6-2. They're hosting Arizona, who is 3-5. Utah ranked 14th. This is going to be squirreled away on the Pac-12 network, unfortunately. Now, Arizona, capable of putting up a whole boatload of points. Defense has been a concern. Again, this team won one game last year. Brought in a top recruiting class, transferred in a quarterback from Washington State and Delora, who's been doing a good job, but... Again, a program in general that is rebuilding with a good staff there. And Utah, tough loss at Florida to start the season. Obviously, the bludgeoning at UCLA had to hang on to beat USC, but still a, a team there that's more of a almost an offensive brand identity right now than the defensive side that's been struggling. But that could turn out to be an interesting football game on the Pac-12 network if Arizona's able to keep pace for a little bit. Number five, Michigan's 8-0. They're traveling all the way over to Jersey to play Rutgers, who's 4-4 four four on the Big Ten Network. I don't have a ton for you on that particular note. Michigan's a heavy favorite there. Number four, Clemson's 8-0. They'll be playing Notre Dame, who's 5-3 on NBC. And Notre Dame is just not very good. But Clemson will probably let them hang around, particularly because it's a road game. You haven't heard a whole lot of the narrative that there could be a quarterback change because you haven't heard a lot about this game with Tennessee and Georgia coming up here, Alabama and LSU. And that's a good thing because I don't think there's going to be one. Again, Kate Klumnik did nothing uh, last week, uh, two weeks ago. Sorry, they were on a bye last week against Syracuse to win the football game. He was actually pretty, pretty bad, but... DJ just had such a horrible game, three turnovers before they pulled him, that they decided that he was a liability at that particular point, and they just had to swap someone out that wasn't going to be a negative. So quarterbacks certainly have those games. Honestly, he probably would have bounced back for the last quarter and a half, two quarters to kind of recover that. It's not something that's necessarily going to continue throughout the game, but they decided to kind of do a refresher and put the new kid in there, and they managed to win thanks to the ground game and Syracuse not scoring any points in the second half, so I don't expect a quarterback change there. But Notre Dame, man, having to go with a uh, backup quarterback, which was effectively just a guy that lost a close quarterback battle in pain in the offseason, not, not super effective there, not super effective on the ground. A pick six put them up early against Syracuse last week when they won 41-24. to Payne has had less than 200 yards two of the past three weeks it's just not been not been great he's completing 62 percent of his passes Clemson's a three and a half point favorite on the road with a 44 point over under so not much is expected from either of the teams in this football game uh, this is just one you can quite frankly kind of skip kind of skip that one the rest of the games here 730 Louisville is 5-3. They're hosting James Madison 5-2 on ESPN2. Let me just double-check where the line on that one is. Louisville 7.5, and, and that's really only because they managed to thump Wake Forest, forcing eight turnovers last week, which is incredible. But this team has been awful. I mean, freaking awful. Malik Cunningham has just not been a good quarterback this year. I mean, he's been beaten up. He's been bruised. But we've been waiting four years. He's been there since Lamar Jackson has been there, uh, since Lamar Jackson left and became a Raven. And he's not been a very good quarterback. He's completing less than 61% of his passes this year, five passing touchdowns, four interceptions. 
541 yards on the ground. You'd expect actually more from him. He has 11 touchdowns. Again, he's been banged up a bit. And this team, the top two receivers transferred out in the offseason. Not a good sign, but you still thought this could be one of the better offenses because of him in the country, at least on the ACC conference. And it's just not been, it's been really bad. And they still managed to uh, do enough to disrupt Wake Forest last week. And Hartman, who's had some some really bad, a couple of really bad games in his career, and they forced one of them and won that game. But man, James Madison, first year at this level of football, moving up a, a division there. And they've lost the last two to Marshall, 26-12, and at Georgia Southern, 45-38, to despite uh, having some great statistical you know, outliers, great defensively and offensively through the first five games in uh, wins against some not great teams other than Appalachian State on the road. But, uh, you know, you expect Louisville to win here. Maybe it stays close. Maybe they do boat race them. But just an interesting, interesting little uh, little game here is a non-Power 5 at one of the lowest thought of conferences going to be able to hang on the road at a team that's all of a sudden kind of a feisty middling team at a power five level you know just a just a thought maybe a take a peek and see what the box score is at that one is uh at halftime there the abc game at 7 30 is going to be miami at four and four hosting florida state at five and three and as you would unfortunately assume this big rivalry game is again going to be kind of a bummer this year. You thought it'd take a step up. Miami was new coaching staff, new direction. Florida, year two, new coaching staff, new direction, started great. But um, man, just a tough, tough go here. Florida State still fielding a great quarterback there in Logan. Uh, no, Jordan. Jordan Travis, uh, really an underrated, under-the-radar quarterback next year who I think could be creeping up into possible Heisman preseason discussions for next season, along with Drake May from North Carolina, just as a FYI. So he's had a not a stellar season, completing about 62% of his passes, 14 touchdowns, three picks, but they're lacking some talent on the offensive side in particular. They're not rolling in top recruiting classes every single year like they have been, of course, but he's been a quality quarterback there. And, um, Hopefully that they'll be able to to kind of build moving forward. We don't know if Tyler Van Dyke is going to be in for Miami, which has been in free fall kind of this season, and he was supposed to be on NFL radars after finishing with multiple 300-yard games last year after stealing the uh, quarterback spot. Florida State's a seven and a half point favorite, and that sounds that sounds about right. Also at 7:30, Mississippi State's five and two. They're hosting Auburn, who's three and five, and. Um, Tigers' first game after the firing of Brian Harson, trying to kind of gather themselves a little bit to wrap up the season. But you're going to have some guys hitting the transfer portal, I think, from that program. Mississippi State coming off a bye after losing to Alabama, and uh, they're going to have a good shot here to hit a wounded Auburn Tiger team, even though they've known that their coach has been a dead man walking. So who really knows what kind of performance you're going to get here? None of the quarterbacks are good for Auburn, so uh, Mississippi State's ready to to take down a wounded beast here. South Carolina's 5-3. They're heading to Vandy, who's 3-5 on the SEC network. Vandy could very well win this football game. They've been playing with a true freshman quarterback for well over a month now. Not a a great team there. The line is only uh, 7 points on the road for South Carolina. 
A.J. Swan is the quarterback for Vandy. He's only completing 58% of his passes, just under. He's got eight touchdowns, though, one pick, hasn't taken a whole lot of sacks. They're doing something right there for the Commodores. They beat, they lost to, sorry, lost on the road to Missouri last week, 17-14, to so kind of close there. They lost to Georgia previous to that, 55 to nothing. They put some touchdowns on the board against Old Miss and 52-28 to loss. They did nothing against Alabama, so maybe they're able to kind of climb up against some of the, I don't want to say middle of the SEC, but it's possible they can beat South Carolina, which really isn't great on either side of the football. Again, we've talked about how they can score on special teams. They've had some outliers there, so we'll see if the uh, Commodores can steal a win here. Finally, a game between two ranked teams kicks off at 8 o'clock on the ACC Network. Number 22, NC State, is hosting number 21, Wake Forest, both teams 6-2. and two. You wouldn't think that a game like this would be a little bit of an afterthought, but of course, NC State struggling from uh, the QB injury to Leary. It looks like they found a replacement finally, though. They took a bye week. They started someone else in their chambers for a, a, a game or two, a game, game and a half, I believe. Now they have a freshman in there who's going to look good by the name of Morris. Morris. Michael Morris, I believe it is. <laughs> MJ Morris, sorry. <laughs> MJ Morris, freshman. True freshman? True freshman. And he threw three touchdown passes last week and looked really good doing it. Maybe I'll remember his name by next week. Wake Forest, of course, coming off the horrible eight turnover game against Louisville. So it's understandable that this game is way, way, way off the radar, but don't sleep on it in the 8 o'clock slot. Wake Forest still on the, I guess, peripherals of the ACC conference race, NC State. I mean, neither one's out of it, but um, obviously Clemson the heavy favorite there. Both teams play in the same division as Clemson, so I wouldn't expect anything goofy there. But two teams that should be in a, a decent game if they can get some good quarterback play. And let's hit the late night slate. Not a whole lot to break down here, but at 9 o'clock, Arizona State at 3-5 and five is hosting number 12 UCLA, who's 7-1 and one on FS1. Bruins coming off a of bye week, ready to reload, hit the road. Now, the Forks have been a little feisty since they got rid of Herm Edwards. They beat Washington by 7. They lost by 1 point to Stanford, and then they beat Colorado by six so it's not the cream of the crop but they're hanging around a little bit with some of these teams they lost to 17 at usc as well but everyone's been hanging points in that defense to no surprise so they're just not a complete walkover that's the smallest spread on the evening slate at or late night slate actually at only 11 points we also have number nine usc at seven and one they're hosting Cal, who is 3-5. That's a 21-point spread on this one. And the Bears, man, just haven't quite been able to keep it going to the point where you think, oh, this is going to be a 6-6 six and six team, at least make a bowl game, possibly 7-5. and five. They're just It's just not uh, making it that far for the Bears this year. But USC, you can hang points on this team. The, the offense for Cal is look confident, competent at times. So I, I'd expect a few, few points in this game. 60 point over under. And finally, we have our two Mountain West games with clear favorites. Now, San Jose State, both of these are at 1030. Uh, San Jose State's 5-2. They're 3-1 in Mountain West in their particular division. 
They're hosting Colorado State, who is two and six, and San Jose State is twenty-four point favorites. They're not a particularly threatening football team. This is just what they've accumulated thus far. They have lost to Fresno State seventeen to ten, and they've lost to Auburn twenty-four to sixteen. So they're not getting thumped, but again, not a particularly impressive team, I would say. They're currently tied for first place in the West with Fresno State. And the win that Fresno State has over them is a big deal because Jake Hayner is now back from the injury he sustained in the opening game or second game of the season, I believe. He led them to the victory at literally the end of the game against San Diego State last week. So Fresno's 4-4 four and four overall, but 3-1 and one in conference play and currently tied with that, technically tied in record with that San Jose uh, state team for first place in the West Division of the Mountain West Conference. But because they beat San Diego State, they have the tiebreaker and are in uh, very first place if the, the race were to end today. So they could all of a sudden, with a healthy quarterback and a top offense, be in the Mountain West Conference Championship game. They're front runners right now. And they could play Boise State in what would be a great game. So just a, just a heads up there. But they're playing Hawaii, who is 2-7 and seven on FS2, 27-point favorites there. So they'll have an opportunity to put up a lot of points as Hainer's kind of breaking his way back in here. And uh, that's your late night. So your top watches of the week, your number one sit-down-and-check-it-out game is obviously going to be Alabama, not Alabama, Georgia and Tennessee that's no surprise there. There were other games in contention for the spot, obviously. Alabama, LSU, Texas, uh, Kansas State. I think TCU, Texas Tech is going to be interesting. But obviously the 330 CBS game, number one Tennessee, the other number one Georgia, two undefeated teams. And this is big for multiple reasons. Heisman conversation. The loser, especially if it's Tennessee because they're actually ranked higher than ranked number one. If they were to lose this game, they would only drop so far, losing a road game against another top five team who'd probably move into the number one spot after winning this. They're only going to drop so many spots further down. And if they went out the schedule, even if they don't make the conference championship game but finish 11-2, and two, they could still have an opportunity to make the playoffs. Now, Georgia might drop too far down if they were to lose because they're already in the three spot and it would be a home game loss to them, you know. All the little things that the committee supposedly takes into account when ultimately deciding the final four teams, but still interesting to consider regardless. That's for further down the line, though. Tennessee and Georgia, 3.30, the must-watch game. You're audible. I have the 8 o'clock with that. There's, you know, two top-shelf games in that night window, but if Alabama gets a stranglehold on uh, LSU there in Texas, you know, Texas-Kansas State there, you want to flip over to something else. 8 o'clock, I have that Wake Forest-NC State game ranked right next to each other, 22 and 21, both 6 and 2 on the ACC network. Just an interesting contest there between two teams. It'll probably end up uh, right around the 9-win mark and be in bigger bowl games. And have, uh, checking out a new young quarterback for NC State and Sam Hartman, who's had a great career there at Wake Forest. Underrated. 3 o'clock, I spent a little time on it. Baylor at 5-3, and three, Oklahoma at 5-3. and three. Again, this is on the Big 12 network and the ESPN Plus network, so it's not as accessible as some of the other football games.
but uh, Baylor isn't quite out of the Big 12 conference race yet, and they can really score some points. And Oklahoma may be rounding around too. I just think that's an interesting game. Other than that, for something a little bit more accessible, maybe take another look at that noon slot, especially if TCU does start to pull away. Maybe look at Drake May throw the football around the ACC network if you're going to watch a blowout. Or Florida, Texas A&M. You know some of those kids are going to play in the NFL. Some will be back next year. So keep an eye on that game, those games as well. The next section here, let's see, let's see. Check-in. I have that noon slate. I do have Tulsa at 3-5, hosting number 19, Tulane, who's 7-1 and one on ESPNU. Tulane, we expect to kind of win that game and keep on rolling. That may not be the case. Let's check in and see if Tulane's able to kind of lock up Tulsa. Or if Tulsa can keep it close, they've done that with several teams already this season. Small screen, non-Power 5 game. There's a couple of them. UTSA, UAB is a good one. I just mentioned Tulane and Tulsa. But I have Memphis at 4-4, four and four, hosting number 25, UCF, at 6-2. and two. UCF obviously bringing up the rear right now behind Tulsa as a possible New Year's 6 candidate. And an interesting team with all the options they do on offense to watch. A decent defense. And this is on ESPN2 at 3.30. Finally, your late night slate. And I see the UCLA-Arizona State game now has a 10.30 start time along with all the other games. Move from 9.30 to 10.30. So... I guess since the spread is smaller on UCLA-Arizona State, that'd be a logical game, but really whichever one's not a blowout between the two Pac-12 games, ESPN and FS1 of the networks will both be uh, watchable uh, until they're not, and they're both uh, more accessible. So number nine, USC hosting Cal, and number 12, UCLA at Arizona State, whichever one is more interesting, I do suppose. And that'll about wrap up the Watch Guide Top Watches playoff thoughts and um so enjoy your games enjoy your sec big 12 heavy weekend and i'll talk to you for the results and um to recap and tackle week 11 thanks for listening talk to you later all my blessings 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 Blessings, all my blessings. I need my blessings every penny. Daily counting every single one. I'm seeing plenty. Level up and watch that beat turn into a